You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. So if you had a hard week, you know what the answer is to a hard week? Hallelujah. That's the answer to a hard week. Did you have a hard conversation this week? You know what you need? Hallelujah in the house of the Lord. This is the antidote to all the hard things we go through in our day-to-day lives. It's coming together with the people of God in the house of God and lifting up our hearts, our hands, and a hallelujah to our resurrected King, Jesus Christ. That is the answer. That is why we are here right now. Jesus, I tell you on behalf of all of our church, and I join in the chorus with billions of believers around this planet, and we say, God, you are supreme. Jesus, you are king. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We don't just welcome you. We want you, Holy Spirit. We want you in our church. We want you in our lives. We want you in our homes. We need you in our gatherings right now to encourage us, to speak to us, to give us life, to help us make it through a world, not just surviving, but thriving as a proof to the world that Jesus is real and the gospel is true and there is hope in our God. So once again, we lift up a hallelujah to you, God, and we say, blessed be the name of the Lord the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Our hope is in you. We give you the highest place. And Satan, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, God rebuke you, you liar, you killer, you deceiver. Take your hands off the people of God. Leave us alone in the name of Jesus. We are bought with the blood of Christ. So now we rejoice in you and your presence, your word Help me now, God, I beg of you to preach with humility the authority of the Word of God for your glory and our good. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Sit down if you can. Holy cow. Praise God. Welcome to New Spring Church, everybody. Let me wish you a happy October. It's October the 1st. Goodbye, summer. Hello, fall. Some of y'all girls just been waiting to put on your boots. You just been waiting to put on that flannel. You guys have been looking at the flannel in your closets. You got vests that have been talking to you. It's time to put on your vest. It is October the 1st. This is my first fall at age 50. So since today is October the 1st, I thought I would do something for the very first time right here among my people. I'm going to put on my prescription readers that cost me $250. I got scammed. Happy 50th to me. I'll be 51 in two months. I just decided I was tired of doing this every time I tried to read. Anybody relate to me? 50's been a strange year. I wake up in the morning and all I did was sleep for six hours and I hurt everywhere. There's a bruise on my shoulder. Where did that come from? I have no idea. I'm 50. Can all the people 50 and up just holla to Jesus right now? Praise God. Well, I want to start off today, listen, we're in this series, we prayed as a teaching team, and we believe this, and you've heard this from Pastor Brad and Pastor Dan already, that what we accomplish, what the Holy Spirit accomplishes in these eight weeks in the Citizen Series 
is gonna resonate and reverberate in our church for the next 10 years. We believe that we are citizens of heaven and because of that, we are different. And the comment, the phrase that you have heard from us and you'll continue to hear this throughout the rest of the series is simply this. If we are willing to be different, we will make a difference. But you gotta be different if you wanna make a difference at all. I wanna start off today by reading a passage to you, just one simple verse from Hebrews chapter 13, verse four, and this will kind of cue you in on where we're going today in our message. Here's what the writer of Hebrews said to the church then, and here's what the Spirit of God and the Word of God say to us now, specific to my message for New Spring Church today. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So today, we're gonna see what the scripture says about marriage, and we're gonna see that as citizens of heaven, we do marriage differently than the world. We're gonna see how our marriages are a proof to the world that God is real, and apologetic that the gospel is true. And we're gonna see how we can honor marriage today because listen, if you're married, what better place to come than the church to find encouragement, to find help, to find the spiritual realities that we need to understand and remember day in and day out. So that's what I'm gonna talk about today. I also wanna let you know as I begin this message, in our church, so if you count our church membership over the age of 18, I thought this was an interesting statistic, two-thirds of you, two-thirds of us at New Spring Church over the age of 18 are married. One-third of us are not. So this is a, a, a message on marriage, but it's not just for married couples. This is also for our single people, for our unmarried people, for our single again people. So if you're not married yet, and if you're 12, I hope you're not. If you're not married yet, if you've been married but you lost a spouse or you've gone through a divorce or you just are not called to be married, we honor singlehood as much as we honor marriage at New Spring Church. We honor those of you that are not married currently, and we want you to not just lean in on this message today, but we're gonna lean on you as married people because we need you. We need you as a single person, as someone who's lost a spouse. We need you to pray for us, and we want you to pray for us every single day. I can remember I was fresh out of college, and I wanted to get married. I wasn't married at the time, and the church I was attending in North Carolina had a, a marriage conference. And I decided I was gonna go to the marriage conference because I needed as much help as I could possibly get so that I would be prepared for marriage. By the way, you really don't get prepared for marriage as much as you just kind of dive into it and then the Holy Spirit prepares you. Because if you stay married long enough, even if you're only married to one person, if you stay married long enough, you're gonna be married to about 10 people over the course of your marriage. How many of you know that's true? You married her, but now she's, what? wait a minute, which one are you today? You married him, but you're like, wait a minute, your team lost yesterday, I don't know this man, okay? So I went to this marriage conference as a single person and, and I felt out of, kinda out of place because the guy that was preaching at the marriage conference literally said, the ultimate way to experience God and to know his will for your life is to get married. And as a single person sitting in the audience, I was like, well, what about me? What am I, a chopped liver? So they had a Q&A afterwards. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. 
Because I'm not afraid to ask a question. I'm not afraid to raise my hand. I was the first one. I said, excuse me, pastor. Did you say that I can't know God's will or do God's will until I get married? He said, yes. And I said, what about a guy named Jesus? He wasn't married. Are you saying he did not do the will of God? And the pastor said, you make a good point. I'm like, well, I would like for you to make a good answer. He said, I think I'm going to change up my marriage talk from now on. Now, I can remember that. I wasn't salty. I just wanted some clarification. It is not the ultimate goal in life to get married. The ultimate goal in life is to know Jesus Christ and make him known. You can do that as a single person, an unmarried person, a divorced person, a widow or a widower, or a married couple. Today, we're going to focus in on honoring marriage because Hebrews 13, 4 says that we should and we can. So as we open up the word of God today, I want us to understand what it means to be citizens of heaven, doing marriage differently for the sake not only of our Marriage, our children, our children's children, but for those watching. Can you believe this? There are, couldn't believe it till I I verified this, 70 million Gen Z in America right now. What is Gen Z? People 18 and younger. 18 and younger, 70 million, largest generation in American history. Husbands, wives, they're watching us. They're watching how we fight. They're watching how we forgive. They're watching how we tithe, how we give, how we prioritize church. They're watching whether or not we get up and go to God's house on Sunday or we sleep in because we stayed out late for the game on Saturday. They're listening to what we say. They're watching how we treat each other. Our marriages are an effective way that we can prove to the world that the gospel is true, that God is good, and that the house of the Lord is where marriages belong because this is a place where you can find help and hope and encouragement for your marriage. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and see what Peter had to say to those of us who are married or who would one day be married. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 says, and I want to go ahead and warn you, I'm about to preach the Bible to you, so get ready. I can't see y'all. I can see y'all. Now I can see the page. Okay. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 3, oh, hold up. Can we agree on this? God is good. God's word is good. God's word is true. We can trust God's word. We can love his law. We don't have to apologize for what the Bible says. We can submit to it and surrender to it, and it will bless us because God only wants good things for children he loves. With that said, here is 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses one through seven, likewise, pause. When you see the word likewise in scripture, it's referring back to what has already been said. What did Pastor Dan preach about last Sunday? He preached about how those of us who know Jesus must submit to earthly authorities, local government, state government, federal government, in the 
first century, Christians had to submit to the Roman government, to the empire, to the Caesars, the emperors. And these were emperors who were killing Christians. And Peter said, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our citizenship in God's family, we submit for the sake of those watching. Now, likewise, he says, you notice I'm setting this up, taking my time, because he's about to give us some good information here. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. This is a reality in the New Testament. There were homes where one person was a Christian and the other was not. This is the reality at New Spring Church. There are some of you right now in Bluffton, Myrtle Beach, Florence, Greenwood, Aiken, right here in this room in Anderson. You are a believer, your spouse is not. And here's the direction from the scripture. If you are a kingdom citizen and you're a believer in Jesus and your spouse is not, you can submit, and this was specific to wives. When you submit to your husband, your husband will be won over by your good deeds. Brad, Pastor Brad and I, are, and Pastor Riley, we're part of a men's group that meets about once a month, and I did a little bit of research. I call it a control group. We had dinner this past week on Tuesday night, and all the men are sitting around, and there's a single man at the table, a divorced man at the table, married men at the table. One of these men is 70 years old. I said, brothers, I'm preaching on Sunday about marriage. What do you want to tell me that I need to know from the perspective of other husbands? And it was amazing what those men said. And one of those men, his first name is Roger, told us a story about his former pastor before he moved to the upstate, who was an absolute pagan, an alcoholic, going out and getting drunk, coming home at two o'clock in the morning and waking his wife up drunk. And his wife went to an older woman in the church and said, I'm a Christian, but I'm done with it. I'm leaving this man. I've done all I can do. I'm done. And this older woman said to her, have you really done everything you could do to save the marriage? She said, yes, I have. She said, have you prayed for him and have you submitted to him and responded with joy and service when he comes home drunk? She was like, nobody can do that. She said, the Holy Spirit can. And that believing wife began to bless her unbelieving husband, began to get up at 2 a.m. when he would come in drunk, cook him breakfast at 2 a.m., and after months and months and months of that, her alcoholic lost husband said to her, I don't know what happened to you, but I want it to happen to me. I don't know what changed you, but I want it to change me. And not only did her husband give his life to Jesus, but he became a pastor and planted a church that is still leading people to Jesus today right here in the state of South Carolina. That is the apologetic of our marriages to a lost and broken world. And for some of us, it just so happens that that lost and broken world lives in our home and sleeps in our bed with us. Wives, this is a, an encouragement to you. Verse three, do not let your adorning the external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be, a, be the, the, the hidden person of the heart 
with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now women, I don't, I don't, don't, don't start calling your husband Lord today. Only Jesus is Lord. But I want to I reference this because he references it. He says, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. He mentions Abraham and Sarah. God tells Abraham, get up and leave your home and go to a place I will show you. Abraham went to Sarah and said, God has spoken to me. We must submit to God. Sarah had to submit to Abraham, but in submitting to Abraham, Sarah was submitting to God. What was God's purpose for Abraham submitting to him and Sarah submitting to her husband? So that God would create a people for himself, a people that would carry his good news into the world, an apologetic for who God was, a defense of God's goodness. And out of that people that God would create would come a man named Jesus, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, who died on the cross and was raised from the dead for us to be saved. If Sarah had never submitted to Abraham, we would not have the, the gospel. We wouldn't have Jesus. See, submission is, is such a triggering word in our culture, but in God's words uh, that he puts in his word, this is a good thing. By the way, none of us can be saved until we submit. And so if you or I get tripped up over the word submission, just realize that until we submit to the lordship of Christ, we cannot be saved from judgment. Until we submit to the Lordship of Christ, we cannot be saved from our bad choices. Until we submit to the Lordship of Christ, none of our marriages really have a hope of surviving or thriving. So submission is a good thing when we submit to a good God. And God is good all the time. Somebody can say amen to that. I thought, I thought, I thought that was pretty good preaching. Now, husbands, he's got a word for us too. Listen to this, verse seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Work on understanding your wife. Work on paying attention to your wife. Listen to what she says. Pick up on the hints that she drops. And don't use excuses like I have used in the past. I used to say things to Shari like, um, this is not a choose your own adventure book. You cannot give hints to me. Be direct with me. And what my wife has helped me learn is that that. Sometimes she doesn't even know in the moment what she wants to say. We're one flesh. We have to understand each other, but I get to understand her so that I can honor her because there is no subjugation in the marriage. It's not like men are superior to women. Husbands are better than wives. Peter says it right here. We are both co-heirs with Christ in God. Before Shari King is my bride, before Shari King is my baby mama, before Shari King is my kissing partner, before Shari King is my lover, before she's any of that, 
She is my sister in Christ. So I honor her. And husbands, can I just submit to you potentially that if some of us don't feel close to God, if some of us feel like God isn't hearing our prayers, not answering our prayers, not coming through for us, I would suggest that we look in the mirror for more than a passing glance. And I would suggest that we as men ask ourselves, am I failing to attempt to understand my wife? Have I gotten familiar with her? Have I taken her for granted? Have I quit dating her and pursuing her? Because if I am not living with her in an understanding way, you know what Peter says happens? Your prayers are hindered. So this might be the key that you're looking for, for a happier, holier marriage. Now, in the time that I've got left, I just want to lift three principles from this passage that will help us as married couples honor the Lord and as single and unmarried people to pray for the marriages in our church. First of all, and I've already said it, your marriage is your witness to the world. In other words, your marriage is not just for you. It's for everyone around you to see you and to see that we're different. It's your witness to the world. It's how we show the world that the gospel is true. Your marriage is a lighthouse in a dark world. And isn't our world so dark right now? It's crazy that even the institution of marriage has, has been defined and redefined and re-re-refined and attacked. And it seems like every time we turn around, there are new words and new definitions and more confusion. But God in his goodness has given us his word and we can trust his word. And when we trust his word, we see that when we got married, it wasn't just so that we could have our dreams come true and be fulfilled individually. It was so the world could watch you and your spouse learn to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the world could watch how a Christian marriage shows who Jesus really is. I've been journeying with several friends, some of them here at this campus, some of them in other parts of the state, brothers of mine who have gone through divorces, some who are on the verge of divorce, others who are fighting for their marriage. And it's amazing to me to see that so many times when you're in a tough spot in your marriage and you don't understand how a good God could be doing something good at all, when you get through that rough spot, people will tell you, people will testify to you, I saw the way you handled that tough spot. I saw the way you went through that miscarriage. I saw the way the two of you handled cancer. I watched how you dealt with a child that was addicted to drugs and had to go through a process of recovery that lasted for years and years and years. People are watching our marriage. That's why your marriage is more than just a place for the two of you to have your dreams come true. It's a, it's a lighthouse in the darkness. It's a beacon on a mountaintop. We, with our marriages, are proclaiming to the world that Jesus and the church are bride and groom. That Jesus and the church are husband and wife, that our marriages are this mysterious, powerful thing that God ordained in Genesis. And we can honor that marriage. Now, next week, Pastor Brad is gonna preach a part of, uh, from the spirit of Hebrews 3, 13, 4, that second part of the passage that says that sexual immorality will be judged by God. We're not dodging hard subjects here at New Spring. 
We're not going to avoid the hard conversations. We're going to let the Bible speak to us because we know that when we live a life for the glory of God, hard times will come. But our marriage, witnessing to the world, tells the world, we're Christians and we go through the same things that you go through. We lose our jobs. We have knockdown, drag out fights. We disagree about politics in our home. We disagree about, about so many other things in our home, but we submit to Jesus and we submit to one another. Which leads me to the second point, that marriage, your marriage can, if you'll just see this, it can help you grow in holiness. It, it's this tool that God uses to, to, to sanctify us. Marriage helps you grow in Holiness and that little control group, that little um, men's group that Pastor Brad and I are a part of, we're eating Tuesday night. Every single man at the table, every single man had one comment in common. Marriage was way harder than I thought it would be. So for all the single ladies and all the single men, all the unmarried people, we wanna give you, I wanna give you today, our church wants to give you a, a true representation of what marriage is. It's work. It's work. I wish that you could, you know, go into marriage and every single day you wake up and it's 70 degrees and no humidity and all the lights are green and your wife greets you early in the morning with a kiss and her breath doesn't stink and your husband never snores. I wish that was the case. It's not. Hard times are coming and God is so good, he can take a hard thing and make you holy out of it. Marriage is a constant submission and a constant serving of the other person. You know, we get married. I heard one pastor say it like this. I love this comment. He said, the getting stops the moment you get married. That's when the giving begins. Think about that. We get married and then we get to give to the other person for the rest of that marriage relationship. What do we give? Understanding, grace, forgiveness, where else can you go except a Christian marriage and find people who, because Jesus has forgiven them, can forgive their spouse for popping off and smarting off at the husband or the wife? Because in every marriage, there's one person who has a tongue that is shaped like a Roman sword. And you know who you are. If you don't know who you are, your spouse knows it's you. You know, you know we, we do that. We cut each other with our words. You know what we get to do? We get to forgive. That makes us holy. We, we get to, I'm gonna even take it a step further. We are able through the grace of Jesus Christ to forgive another person that we're married to, that, that spouse that you're one flesh with, even when they're unfaithful to you in the marriage. Now, of course, I'm not telling anyone to stay in a marriage where their life is in danger or they're being physically abused or hurt. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about how God in his sovereignty will use the crucible of marriage to show you, hey, I know your spouse isn't perfect. They may have even broken their marriage vows. And while you might be justified in ending the marriage, guess what you get to do in the gospel? You get to forgive them. You get to stay committed. You get to keep your covenant because you have me inside of you and the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do the things you could not do in your flesh in marriage. That is what a Christian marriage looks like. Holiness. 
Your marriage is the greatest laboratory for God to, to form you into Jesus Christ, into his image. You were made in God's image when you were born, but when you enter into a marriage, he reforms and reshapes you into the image of Jesus because you know what Jesus did with his whole life? He gave, he sacrificed, he served. It's so easy for me to talk about that up here on this stage, isn't it? But when I actually have to serve Shari, sometimes I hate it. Can I just be honest? Sometimes I'm like, now hold up, wait a minute. How about you serve me? How about you do something nice for me? You notice how historical you get when your spouse isn't meeting all of your needs and, and, and making you happy? You notice how you'll begin to replay in your mind all the unseen things that you've done for them that they haven't thanked you for? You know what the Holy Spirit does? He whispers in your ear and says, think about all the things that Jesus did for you. Now go serve your spouse. That is how God creates holiness. Oh, and I've got good news for you, church. If you aim for holiness, you get happiness thrown in. I don't wanna paint a bad picture. I wanna show you the goodness of marriage because marriage is a way that God can also grow you in happiness. Marriage helps you grow in happiness. Now, some statistics, if you will just suffer me a minute. 42% of millennials and Gen Z in America, some of y'all are millennials and Gen Z, 42% of millennials and Gen Z, younger generation, say that marriage is no longer important to them, as important as career, financial gain, or having friendships. 42%. That, that's a real statistic. I couldn't believe that. And then I started thinking, well, if people don't think that marriage makes them happy and people are on a search for happiness, then no wonder so many people now have, are saying, I may not ever get married. And you know what? God may give you the gift to stay single your whole entire life. Paul says that's a good thing and you can have so many more blessings uh, that even married people can't have by being focused on the kingdom. But when I think about that statistic, I wonder how much of this do we need to own as the church? How much of this do we need to own? How much of this do we need to just say, God, you know what? We haven't done, a, I haven't done the, the job I should have done by submitting to you, by understanding my wife, by living in, in unison and unity with my wife in the family of God. I think we have to take some ownership of this. But let me tell you how happy marriage can actually make you if you will submit your marriage to Christ. And this is gonna hopefully really encourage some of you because I know that many, a church of our size, you probably you probably have people on your campus right now that showed up today and their marriage is hanging by a thread. Maybe yours is. Maybe today was your last shot. You came hoping you would hear something good. You saw that we're preaching on marriage today and you thought, I'm coming. Can I give you some statistics that are going to blow your mind? They did a Harvard study a few years ago and this Harvard study said that one out of every two new marriages, that's 50%, new marriages now in America will wind up divorced. But did you know that when you just add church attendance twice a month, that's all it takes, if you go to church two times a month together as a married couple, your divorce rate drops by 50% just by going to church twice a month. Now I got something else for you, Ty. You didn't know that, but I got something else for you. You ready for this? Listen to this, Ty. If you add prayer to the mix, this was a Gallup survey done over 20 years ago, Married couples that go to church together regularly and pray together and talk about God together, 
the marriage rate drops to one out of 1,152. Less than one-tenth of one percent. So if you just delete God out of the whole idea of marriage, you got a 50-50 chance that that marriage is going to end in divorce. But if you add in church attendance and prayer and talking about spiritual things, if you pray together, less than one-tenth of one percent. There was a sociologist from the University of Virginia named Professor Brad Wilcox, and Brad Wilcox did the heavy lifting on this, and he said that in America right now, of all the things people tell you that will make you happy, they tell you that sex will make you happy, they tell you that financial gain and income will make you happy, that career will make you happy, that Education will make you happy. All of those things are good things. We're for all of those things at New Spring Church. But do you know the number one indicator of overall happiness in life? A good Christian marriage. Number one indicator of happiness. So marriage is a way that God can make you holy and marriage is a way that God can grow you in happiness. And I have an exhibit I'd like to show you as my, as my closing argument for the message today. Look at this picture up on the screen. This is my great aunt Louise and my great uncle Floyd, Louise and Floyd Cooper. In my research for this particular message, I drove to Simpsonville to visit them. I grew up with them, grew up in their home. And I wanted to go see them because I haven't seen them in a long time. And they've been married for 70 years, seven zero, 70. 70! That's older than me. I said, how did y'all stay married for 70 years? What's your secret? Because I'm preaching at my church in a couple of weeks on this. My Uncle Floyd said, well, I gotta keep praying. I said, what else? He said, well, when she gets mad, I just slip on out of the house and go down into the garden or my workshop and just stay away for a little while, let her cool down, and then I come back when the coast is clear. I said, can I take a picture of y'all? And, and uh, my Aunt Louise was was in the house and she came out. I said, can I take a picture? I wanna show this to my church. And she sat down on the swing beside Floyd. And look at the picture. I didn't tell him to hold hands. As soon as she sat down, she reached over and grabbed his hand and he grabbed hers. He's 91, she's 90, 70 years of marriage. And what I didn't tell you is after 70 years of marriage, he's still growing in holiness and happiness. She has early onset dementia. Five times while I was there, she said, let me call my mama. I know she'll want to come and see you. She hadn't seen you in so long. Her mom's been dead for over 20 years. My Uncle Floyd has had to build barricades and fences around the house. You know why? Because he said, as long as I can take care of her, I'm taking care of her. I'll hire somebody to help if I have to. But if I don't have to, I made a vow to God and I'm going to stay with her. 70 years. That's what I want. That's happiness. It's, it's not the fleeting joy. It's not what our culture says you should go after. Listen, we can bless our culture without becoming our culture. And the marriage that you have is one of the ways that God can bless the culture around you as they watch you serve and love each other when you don't get what you want, but you give like Jesus gave. That is the apologetic. That is the defense. That is the power of your marriage. And so I'm inviting all of us now, let's do this. I want everyone to stand up on their feet all across our campuses, every location. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. 
In a moment, someone's gonna come out from your campus to shepherd the, the clothes in our response time. But right now, this is the response I'm asking for. If you're married, I want you to do two things. And if you're single or unmarried, I want you to do one thing. If you're married, I want you to find your spouse and take them by the hand right now. I want you to do it right now. Some of y'all may have to move. Now, if you're on a camera or you're running something in technology, you can do this when you get home. But I want you to take the hand of your spouse right now. Even if you have to move places, go, go take the hand of your spouse. And I'm gonna ask in just a second, if you're married, that the two of you pray for each other right now. And I'm gonna ask that you do it out loud. I wanna fill the state of South Carolina with the voices of men and women lifting up prayers for their spouses. And if you've never prayed out loud or you feel uncomfortable, hey, it's so easy, I promise, it's so easy. Just pray, God, will you help us in our marriage? God, will you bless my wife? Will you bless my husband? And I want the single and unmarried people in our church, I want you to pray for the married couples right now on your campus. We're gonna take about 30, 45 seconds to do this. And if you feel comfortable just laying a hand on their shoulder, feel free. If you don't, that's okay. But this is what we're gonna do to honor marriage today. We're gonna pray for each other and single and unmarried people pray for the married couples. I'm gonna ask you to do this right now. Close your eyes and go ahead and open up your hearts and one of you start praying for your spouse right now. Pray for them out loud. Lift up your voices. It doesn't have to, you don't have to scream, but pray loud enough that we fill our auditoriums with the sound of our voices praying. And single and unmarried people, will you pray for the couples that are there in front of you and around you right now? Now, as you continue to pray for each other, in just a moment, someone from your campus is gonna come out and shepherd the remainder of our response time, and you'll be told different ways that you can respond as you continue to pray for each other right now. All right, Anderson, let me get you to open your eyes for just a moment. Our teams are gonna come forward right now. Our ministry teams are gonna take their places. You know all the different ways that we respond here at New Spring through prayer, um, through uh, communion, but as our ministry teams begin to come and you prepare to take communion if you're a believer, if you're not a believer today and you need to give your life to Jesus, everybody watch. There is a cross right here. I'm pointing to it. There's a cross right there. And if you need Jesus Christ in your life, we have people right there that are gonna pray with you and lead you to faith in Jesus so you can become a Christian and go to heaven when you die and have life right now. The other thing I wanna encourage you to do is people are preparing for communion and prayer Listen, it's October the 1st. I got an email this morning. I get one on the first of every month telling me that our monthly tithe had been deducted out of our checking account. Shari and I, one of the number one things we did when we got married, we set our hearts on this and we've never deviated from it, is that we give the first 10% of our income as a tithe to the local church. We don't argue about it. We don't even talk about it. It's done. It's settled. And then we give over and above that as an offering. And I got an email this morning telling me that our tithe had been taken out. I wanna encourage you as a married couple or as a single or unmarried person, if you've stopped giving, if you've stopped tithing, if you let your credit card expire, or if this is something you haven't yet settled on, if you're married, you know the number one reason for divorce? Money. Number one reason for divorce is money. 
So I wanna encourage you today, if you have not set up your tithing and set up your giving, you can do that during our response time while people come forward to take communion. You can do that on your phone or our New Spring app. The ways that we respond, I believe, are listed behind me right there. So I'm gonna pray one more time. And while I'm praying, I wanna invite people to begin to, to line up for communion all over our room. The cross is open for anyone that needs to give their life to Jesus. And listen, as a married couple, you may need to come. Look at all these folks we have up here at the front to lay hands on you and pray for you. Let someone pray for you. And if you need help in your marriage, we're here. We wanna help you. So come and tell us so that we can help you take your first, maybe your next step in getting help for your marriage. Jesus, we love you. We love your word. And as people begin to move to take communion, as couples begin to move forward so that we can pray for their marriages, I pray that this word today would have the fruit you designed it to have because your word never returns void. I pray you'd save somebody right now. And I pray as Christians take communion, they would feel your presence and help us to give, to tithe, and be generous. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You come. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.